it's all very well talking about being real, showing up real, having authentic conversations online and offline, but hey, could we do with a few tips on how? Yes, we could. Hello, I'm Trisha Lewis. This is the Make It Real podcast, and I will be talking to very real people who've had very real experience, mistakes and everything, and they will be giving you those tips. So, stay tuned. So, hello, Ben. Hi, Tricia. It's great to talk to you. It's good to talk to you too. And you are Ben Kappa, and this is really the first time we've met. So yet again, as I frequently say on this podcast, this is very real, everybody. We are literally, we've just had a bit of a chat, and now we're just having a bit more of a chat. Um, And Ben is up, I say this up, because obviously I'm in Bournemouth. Um, You're up in Liverpool, Ben. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The home of lots of incredibly infamous musicians like um, the Teardopper Explodes and the Lars, for example, both great bands. Oh, oh my favourite. <laughs> to be honest, Ben, Liverpool is all about the football because I have a 24, nearly 25-year-old son who's a lifelong Liverpool son. Oh, good. We should meet. We should talk. Right, that, oh, that, that applies to me too. Not, oh. The 24-year-old thing, unfortunately, not so much anymore, but Liverpool... <laughs> It's just so in the heart, you know, yes, it's real, sure. very real. His very much. And you, you will understand that. Um, so I, I want you to, so I know your company is called Grey Fox Communications and Marketing Limited. Just give us a little quick outline of what, what the heck you do. So I'm a kind of marketing and communications consultant, you might say. I do kind of everything that that implies really i do if you need me to write you a nice blog i can do that but also if you need me to completely knock your communications and marketing processes apart and build them up back again to ensure that they are doing the right thing for your customers or service users or whoever your audience is to help your organization meet your goals however small or however big they are i can help you do that too i mean i suppose i'm most comfortable when i'm helping people to hone messages and to really understand what their objectives and what their audience needs are. So do a bit of everything from strategy all the way through to, um, yeah, writing stuff for websites as well. So I'm I'm pretty, pretty broad, but yeah, I, I'm a real, I love kind of comms and marketing. I've been doing it for a long time, nearly 20 years, uh, but I've been working for myself for only just over a year um, and enjoying it a lot so far. You see in that, so you, you're quite, you know, raw in terms of, understanding this this journey yeah, um, and, and, and you were sort of more used to working in quite uh, in larger kind of organizations before were you that's actually- right yeah mostly um so most of my time has been spent in kind of um largish public or sort of third sector organizations i did have about three and a half years in an agency but mm-hmm. the client base for that agency was was national and it was mostly mm. public and third sector organizations. So I've worked in-house in the NHS in various guises for a total of about five or six years across different organizations. I've worked in local authority for about three or four years. I've worked in charity for about two-ish years. And as I say, an agency, but so yeah, it's mostly kind of big-ish organizations. Um, did some you, bigger did than you wake other. Up, did you wake up one morning and think, um, oh, I know what I'll do. I think I'll, I'll walk away from these big, uh, organizations and I will just set up my own business. 
Um, wake up one morning, not really one morning, several mornings over a couple of years I did. Uh, in fact, it was probably more sort of waking up in the middle of the night really, and then daydreaming about it again during the day for a little while. And I think I, I kind of never really thought of myself as a business person, if that makes sense. I think your stereotypical business person is this kind of jet setter wearing a three-piece suit and, you know, um, pointing at things angrily. Uh, that's not really who I am. I'm the kind of, <laughs> I like doing good communications and helping people to serve their communities more effectively. I kind of felt like I could do that better outside of an organizational structure because I find weirdly, I, I kind of looked at this and actually as much as I've moved around these not-for-profit sectors for quite most of my time, I've actually never really stayed anywhere longer than three three years really. And I've, I kind of thought maybe there's a reason for that. And I think the main reason is I find it kind of difficult to kind of, I think go completely hook, line and sinker in any one organization's way of doing things. I like to be, I like to be able to retain my honesty, if that makes sense, to be able to give people what I think is the right solution and the right kind of advice. Um, and I suppose I find those structures that I guess necessary, don't get me wrong, but I find yeah. personally them quite restrictive and quite frustrating and quite uh, often they're the barrier to good stuff happening um, which I feel yeah. I can influence good stuff happening better from the outside I think. I got you so in a way there's two there's kind of two sides to it there might be people listening who um, number one are, are in that kind of waking up in the middle of the night sort of uh, phase shall I shan't I um, coming from possibly um, more corporate environments or organisations. Um, so, so we'll just touch on um, on what the sort of nervy bits of that were for you. But, but also, but there might be people out there selling some kind of service that that requires them actually going in. You know, they are themselves self-employed, running their own business, but they're now going into larger organisations, and maybe, and that also is a bit weirdly. Um, sort of confusing and scary when you set up business because for all those stereotype reasonings that we have like you just mentioned we sort of begin to lose our voice don't we a bit if once we go into a bigger place so the, so the first bit of that is what were the what what were the mental kind of blocks as you began this journey that's really that's a really good question because when i started they were just so many and it was just like stuff like well if, should i be a limited company or a sole trader and what are the tax implications of all that and then oh my god and what type of laptop should i get and oh my god do i need branding or do i not need branding and what website should i get and uh, oh, all this stuff and actually when it really comes down to it none of that super matters that much i think the key thing is um I got to a point, I had a big piece of paper and this was the most low tech way of starting a business you can possibly imagine. I had a big A3 piece of paper that I stole out of a photocopier in my last job and I had nine titles on it. <laughs> you can do that when you work for an organization that has a photocopier. I don't have a photocopier anymore. Um, and I had nine titles on it and they were all stuff like my network, who's in my network, how do I grow my network, what equipment do I need, um, how am I gonna finance myself for the first two or three months, you know, um, it was stuff like, um, yeah, do I need branding, all that kind of stuff. But fundamentally I could answer all that stuff dead, dead easily. Cause it just, I, I thought, well, I'll just speak to that person about that. And I'll speak to that person about that. And I'll just buy that. And I'll just speak to that person about that. Mm -hmm. The one bit I thought 
the thing that's holding me back is just not knowing where the work's going to come from. Mm. Fundamentally, all the other stuff is kind of yeah. on the periphery, really. You need to make this work and you need to pay the bills at home. Um, you're going to be able to do good work that you find really meaningful and find exciting if, as, if people pay you to do that. So yeah. it's like, hey, let's focus on that bit. The rest of it will kind of work itself out a bit. And it sort of did <laughs> and it has done and kind of so far touch what is continuing to do so. I think, you know, often a lot of businesses owners and I think I was exactly the same they just really overcomplicate and they put barriers in front of themselves that actually in reality don't really exist the thing that the thing that exists is how do I get paid now really that's the only thing that's really that different um you know if you can get through that and you can find out a way of how that might happen and be okay with that mm. it's a good way of working it's a really good way to work what, what about though the problem with then grabbing at clients and jobs that actually you're kind of feeling a bit disconnected from in terms of your, you know, your sort of values and your mission, if you want to put it that way, um, because you're thinking, oh, gee, it's a job, I need it. That's a, that's a really good point. And I think most people, especially probably work in kind of my space-ish, when I say my space, mm. the space in which I work is probably a better way of saying that, have that moral quandary at times. I remember my, as I was leaving my last job to do this, one of the first things I did, I spoke to loads of kind of like recruitment consultants and I said, oh, yeah, I'm looking for kind of short-term freelancey project-based work. And I remember literally I was having somebody give me a card in front of everybody in my last job saying, good luck, Ben, I hope it goes well. And my phone went and it was one of these recruitment consultants. And on the phone was like, there's a potential piece of freelance work for you, which is like three months, three days a week, the, you know, the rate you want. I was like, oh, great, brilliant. What is it? And it was basically a version of an, an organization that did a version of online gambling. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't have the heart at the time to say, no, I will not do that. But and I was sort of <laughs> I was on the phone going, okay, okay, yeah, that sounds all right. Yeah, yeah, let me know. Yeah, 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 let me know. And I kind of put the phone down and I just thought, I cannot do that. Uh, thankfully, nothing came of it. And I didn't yeah. have to actually make that choice. But that was, a very, that was a choice very, very early on when I just kind of thought, oh, no, this is one of those situations that I was dreading happening. But, so I think the way around that is actually... I wouldn't have been any good at that job. I'd never done anything like that before. I wouldn't have been particularly excited about coming into that client's office to do that piece of work. Is it a piece of work I would have been super proud of afterwards and would have said, hey, I've done this? No. So actually, fundamentally, I wouldn't have been very good at that. There are people out there and I, this is, you know, who would have been good at that job and mm. I wouldn't. And that for me is just like, there would have been not, I wouldn't have got it anyway. And mm. even if I had got it, I probably wouldn't have done very well at it. So that's kind of fine. There's people out there that do that stuff really well. I think, but, I think that's a good way to think. It's like the same, you know, the same thing if you can't please everybody, um, you know, which is the other trap we all fall into. Um, uh, it is you know not feeling that you've somehow not saying oh there are other people who'd be better at this than me but more sort of well I mean that could be the case because fair enough their experience that's their skill base etc but also just yeah that there are other, there are other people who will enjoy this more who will do actually a better job because they're they're more in that space and that's brilliant because they can have that job and now you know i've got to keep looking towards the places that that are going to make me feel good rather than sort of comparing yourself negatively or feeling that i mean what you said about 
not feeling that you were an obvious business person. I think everyone falls into this weird, you know, stereotype. You said when we were chatting earlier that you sort of got this image of Alan Sugar as, you know, it is a bit nuts because these are stereotypes, but we, we do have to go through this weird journey where we unpick the fact that you don't have to look like this or speak like this or etc. Yeah, exactly. I think that, I think that's a, that's a, that's the key thing. I think it's um, values. You know, don't sort of exist in isolation. They ultimately are your values because they drive what interests you and drive what you do. So mm. if a job doesn't align with your values, the, the fact is, you're probably not going to be very good at it. So don't worry about it. Actually, it's probably not a moral quandary that has come out, come up again since that one time. And it was only a moral quandary at the time because I was leaving my job and I was terrified of not having any work to do. Yeah. But it didn't end up being a problem because actually they didn't come back to me. And secondly, I was a bit like, I got all the work. And also I just thought, I'd suck at that because that's just not what I'm good at because my values have taken me in a particular direction. Mm. And that has influenced the type of work I do and influence the... Um, influence kind of the network I have as well because you yeah. get to know people and you get good friends kind of yeah. there as well I think I think the kind of the, the wider point about what's a typical business person is is really really interesting because as I say it's just I think there's no doubt there's an element of you have to be able to feel comfortable selling yourself to some degree you know mm -hmm. that's why we're on LinkedIn that's why we're on Twitter that's why we turn up at stuff um, but you don't have to be this driving a hard bargain uh, you know name stereotypical business person here you know it's that's not really sort of what it's about in it's certainly not in my line of business my line of business is very much around being good at what i do being good to work with and reminding people that i'm out there in some ways it's really that simple yeah. um you know it's it, and, and i think in that think in, in that space you can just be yeah. yourself Actually, we just repeat those. There was three things you said there. Um, being good at what I do. Um, was, what was the second thing? Being good to work with. Yes, being good at what I do, being good to work with, and reminding people that I'm here. Exactly. It's not that sim not that difficult, really, when you think of it like that. You know. I love it. You said recently you were giving some advice to a friend of yours who was thinking of starting his own business. Yeah, that's right. There's been a couple of people, actually. There's plenty yeah. of people out there that are quite excited by this way of working. Hmm, I'm not mentioning any name, but you know who you are. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of people I, sp I spoke to recently. And um, one of them was sort of saying to me, this is, it's a very much the same issue I had when I was looking at it. It was, um, I don't really know what makes me different. And um, that's, a to that's absolutely something I was thinking I, I was going through a year and a bit ago. When I was kind of look, when I was looking when I was looking at this, and I think this very much speaks to the premise of your podcast about how do you run a business and you know stay be yourself and stay authentic to yourself. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time about how to start a business, and it was all, all the advice was, you know, beyond all the sort of the stuff around finance and all that, it was very much like you need to find a niche, you need to find something that you know not nobody else in the market offers, and it needs to be absolutely. A, you know, a niching yourself is incredibly important. Otherwise, don't bother. And I kind don't of, niche, I, niche, yeah, niche, niche, exactly. Niche. And, I, and I think um, I sort of like uh, stressed out about that point probably more than anything else. But actually, I kind of came to realize, and this is kind of what I told the couple of people that have, mm -hmm. that have been advising recently, 
you know, in a very informal, friendly capacity. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give I don't give new business startup advice, by the way, everybody. No, 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 no. It's really important to put that out there. But I'm happy to have a chat whenever. Um, I kind of said to them, um, well, actually, I, I very quickly realized what my niche is. My niche is that I am the only person who is me. And actually, I'm the, I'm the only person that does <laughs> works in the way that I do because I've taken the bits I've liked and I've thought I've the, and I thought have worked really well from the different organisations I've worked in yeah. and brought it together in a package. And only I have had that experience. Now, am I the only marketing consultant out there? No. Yeah. Am I the only communications specialist in public sector comms out there? Absolutely not. There's some amazing ones. But I, I, am I the only one that has my experience? Yes. So that is your niche. Your niche because you're not selling you know, widgets or whatever, your, your, niche, your, your product essentially is your expertise and your time and only you. Other people have got better qualifications than I have. And it's, um, but not everybody has my approach and my experience. So if you want me, the only way of getting me is by hiring me, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. It makes sense. Yeah. I, I love it when we get, when we peel everything away and get down to these actually really mm. basic messages, because they're, they're the ones that we get, we just lose in all the faffing around that we're doing when we're uh, growing a business. Um, and I, I quite like this. I think this is a quote out of one of your blogs. You see, I do do my research, man. Yeah, um, something like this. We believe in something important and we don't let narrow calculation get in the way of that bigger mission. I quite like that. Yeah, I think that's... Um you can apply that in so many different circumstances i think and i think definitely if you start in your own business i think that's what it you've got a i'm a big believer i know it's kind of a bit of a cliche now but the simon sinek stuff you see all the time on linkedin about the golden circle and starting with why i, I absolutely it is a bit of a cliche but i absolutely live by that both in sort of myself and how i actually started my, my business what is this for who is it for and why should anybody be interested in it? I always kind of think that from, from the beginning. And that is absolutely where I ask, even if I'm doing a bit of web content or I'm doing a full-blown organizational strategy, I always start with that question, which mm. is kind of why? What is the point? So what? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that does very much, on a really practical level, it just keeps you focused on the stuff that is important that is going to make a difference. It helps mm. you prioritize tax, task A over task B. But I think far more importantly than that, it actually keeps, it, it acts, it helps communications people act as the conscience, conscience of their organizations and actually helps keep them sort of on track towards their sort of bigger goal. And I think in sort of big, you know, organizations, public and private, but, you know, my experience is more public. There is such a lot that does get in the way of achieving those goals, mm. you know, not saying they're not important in their own way. But I just sort of feel there has to be a better way around, you know, there's all these governance, there's all committees mm -hmm. you've got to report to. Yeah, fine. Accountability is massively important and reporting to the public is incredibly important. But it does it have to be in such a way that actually stamps on innovation and creativity in the same way that it does? And I think that's a good example of kind of what... Yeah, I agree. And in fact, recently I was talking to somebody who works and um, the establishment will remain nameless um but he himself is an academic and his thing is research and uh teaching and mm. he was saying that he basically ignores a huge amount of emails that he gets which he knows are about some new system that's been put in place and he's got to fill this in and he's got to do that and he's blah 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 blah, blah. and he says 
to be honest, he's discovered when he doesn't actually proactively engage with them, nothing terrible happens. And it just gives him so much more time to do, and this is what you were saying, what he's there for, the purpose of him being there, which is the students and the research. And that's it. Um, and, and, you know, people would think he was a bit of a maverick because, oh, my God, you know, he's a, but it, he's just doing what makes complete sense. And this you hear this over and over again. So actually with big organizations how do you stop yourself getting incredibly because there might be people setting up business and they know that part of their target audience is big organizations or corporates how do you stop yourself getting incredibly frustrated by all that it's a challenge not gonna lie however i think um and some are better i was gonna say worse better than others i'm gonna say but um i think on a practical level, the fact that you can walk away at the end of the day and go, that bit isn't my problem is, is mm. incredibly liberating. <laughs> incredibly liberating. I am here to do this job. I'm not there to do that. That is really, really, that is very, very liberating. So that does keep you sane. Also, the fact that you've got more than one client, I think is incredibly important. I, you know, if I come out at the end of a day or a particular point of, you know, frustration with a project, which does happen, not very often, but it does happen, I can go, well, I'm on a video shoot with another client tomorrow. So I'll just think about it and come back to it in a day or two's time. You know, yeah. that, on a practical basis, that is really, really helpful. They just kind I of like to, just to, yeah. to park things and come back to them later and realize that again, in the grander scheme things, maybe these things aren't that important. But I think on a more, a less practical level and a more kind of a values-based level, if I, want, if I can put it like that, actually what keeps you sane is the fact that you are there um, to sort of challenge that a bit i think i take that role on because if they could do this if things were working great you wouldn't yeah. be there they wouldn't need your help so if everything was going perfectly they wouldn't need somebody from outside to come in and sort of sort it for them so yes. i see it always in the basis of you might want me to just do some stuff that you've figured out you think you need mm. but often or want rather than need um but very often, actually, I will give people my advice because I think, you know, that comes as part of the package and they can listen to that advice or not listen to it. And if they don't listen to it, I can walk away and do something else tomorrow, you know. And as long as I do what they've said, I can, again, I can walk away and do something else next week. But I think so on a practical level, knowing that you've got all the stuff going on is, is important, but also just I think it's important and it's our role as external people to add that value. And I think that value we can add, which nobody internal can give. There's a, I work with and respect and, you know, love working with lots of fantastic internal people, mm. but what you can give that they can't is the fact that you have that outside perspective and you can see it very much from a lot more from their user's perspective more than maybe they can. And the fact that you're just not in really inhibited by in, internal kind of um, hierarchy, because, that doesn't really matter actually. Uh, and I just think that is, that is a very liberating way of doing it. And so it can be, you know, projects have their frustrations, but working like this is so much better, I think for dealing with them because you can compartmentalize them. They don't, you don't really take those frustrations home with you in the same yeah. way that you do if you work. I, I, I love that actually because um, no, that that's really 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 good. We lose track again. Very easy to start thinking this is what people 
want me to be like this is oh this is what they'll expect because that's what other big companies do or um for instance i mean if i'm a so i'm a communication coach so if i was thinking as i did do in the first place oh um I, I'm going to put this proposal forward to this biggish company. Wouldn't it be great to work with them? And then I start using language that I never use in this proposal. And you get to the end of it and you are bored stiff with it, thinking, Jesus, it's like some kind of template thing. And you've sent it off and you just, or in your heart, you just know that not, you almost don't want the job because you think, well, if I get the job now, they're buying into something that actually isn't me. Um, so I've learned that lesson and I won't do that anymore. I think, I think it's, that is sort of, it's, it's, it's really good, good point. I think it's like, it's sort of, in some ways, it's kind of like brand identity 101, that one really, because it's like mm. the, your first interaction with that brand, that product or whatever it is, has to live up to the promise of what mm. the, the, is on the tin. You know, I think it's really, really important. That's kind of why I, I use the NHS as an example quite often, as in, you know, People all, I know it's a while ago now and it's seen as a halcyon era in these kind of slightly difficult times we're going through. But the, you know, the Olympics 2012, it's, I've, I've said this to so many NHS people, what was on the pitch of that Olympic stadium was NHS. It wasn't South Lambeth Commis Clinical Commissioning Group in partnership with Queen Mary University Teaching Hospital. It was NHS that, you know, but actually the experience you get is so varied no matter where you go. And I think actually, and so that for me is an example of a brand promise not really working in reality. And I think what you've just, the example you've just given there is, is on a much smaller scale, but it's exactly the same. If you give people some sort of vision and actually, and some, you know, very highfalutin language that you wouldn't use in real life, but they buy into that, you're not living up to that promise. And that promise might be a good or a bad or an indifferent one but either way whatever that promise is you still need to live up to it so again coming back to your yeah. the whole premise of authenticity and being real yeah. i think it's something you've got to be really careful to make sure you maintain what um just just sort of um i'm just thinking of anything else i want to i want to ask you about well i got you here um ben right um there was something so is there a is there a so you're right in the heart of the marketing world um by the way when you say comms or communications and then you say marketing just sorry it's like a test just in a in a nutshell can you can you define what the difference is what that is a, that is a, that's a wonderful question <laughs> and i feel like we could do with a night down the pub to talk about that one but i think um everybody has different different kind of um definitions of those things and i think if you speak to some people comms is getting in the local paper and marketing is leaflets and stuff i don't really kind of look at it like that i think i see marketing as more the broader thought mm. and sort of strategic process achieving mm. a end goal for an organization that's kind of what, mm. what i see marketing as um sort of via and it is it is sort of via creative means or engaging mm -hmm. yeah. with your customers yeah. or audience. Yeah. That's how I would broadly define marketing. Yeah. Comms, I think, is a little bit narrower. And comms for me tends to focus a bit more on the outputs of that. So whether it's writing, video, whatever. That is my very broad definition. But I think other people will have other definitions. <laughs> I think I think this is like very often I see lots of blog posts about PR. PR isn't just about yes. relations, it's about these other things. And I think that's completely right. But 
that's probably not really my definition. So that is my very broad definition. It's kind of yeah. like, if you need to engage with your audiences somehow, I can sort of help you with that. But yeah, that's real basic speak. I like that. If you need yeah. to communicate with your audience somehow, I can help you. Um, yeah. yeah and, it, and it will be a mix of all sorts of different outputs and ways of doing it and measuring is all part of the deal as well. Yes, 100%. And yeah. figuring out your, your, your consistency and, and what your values are and getting that. Yeah, the whole kit and caboodle. I, I think it's, it is a fascinating area because it's evolving, like literally, as you know that though, because it's your business, mm-hmm. um, by the minute. But so is communication, you know, which is why this, this sort of yearning for people to talk real talk um, is, I think, growing by the minute as well. And... Um, and that's why I enjoy conversations like this. So, yeah, because you know, um, I think I think actually we covered some really good little snippets there, some really good bits of um, takeaway advice. I, I do some nice show notes, Ben. So, oh, great. Where would you like to direct people to to find out more? Just the obvious. The the obvious ones, yeah. Um, so my website is greyfoxcoms.co.uk. Um, comms has two M's, greys with an E. Uh, just to you know, just to kind That's of good. just to <laughs> belt and braces about that one. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Ben Kappa. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well, so you can find me there too. Yeah, yeah, all good. So I'll put all that in the show notes and um, I'll come back again sometime because Great, I, as with cats, they always it feels to me like we we kind of need to drill down on one tiny little bit and then you know um have fun with that so yeah we'll, we'll do this again sometime but it's great been, love to thank you so much uh, great advice um yeah speak to you soon speak to you soon cheers Trisha. that was great take action try this one small step i made a really good point only you 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 unique individual have your story your experience your particular approach, your values, and all of those things need to be written down in a list so that you stop worrying about there being too many people doing what you're doing and you start concentrating on that list of your particular way, your story, what you bring, if you like, to the table. A cliche, but relevant. lot of fascinating stuff. You might need some show notes. So head over to trishalewis.com forward slash make it real podcast to download those and subscribe because then you'll know when the next episode is available. I give you permission to go out and be real and enjoy it. Look forward to the next episode. Never be ready.